Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of He Sent Our Podcast, sponsored by DraftKings. And just so you all know, two of the sport's most respected fighters are stepping back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering new players a shot at a million dollars in total prizes. MMA fantasy is a lot like hockey fantasy. You pick the six fighters, stand to the salary cap, pile up points, advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than compete for a shot at a million bucks. And honestly, even if you're a new fan of MMA, it's worth to, to just give it a shot for a million dollars. Don't forget, you know, there's basketball, hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. Plenty of games being played. DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Remember, download the DraftKings app. Use promo code THPN for your chance at a million dollars worth of prizes throughout the week. Promo code THPN. And I hope you enjoy betting. It's a lot of fun, if you, especially when you win. It kind of sucks when you lose. But we got some positives. And it, you know, betting, hockey, a lot of similarities. Senators split a series, their second split. They didn't get swept. Second split versus Montreal. They had the first split against Toronto. We're going to dive right into it. Derek, what was your take on the Sens split versus Montreal? They won on Thursday, lost on Saturday. Give us your, your rundown of it. Um, well, first off, I mean, we did not expect the turnaround to come against the Montreal Canadiens. I think before the series, we were talking about their team speed and just how well that that team was playing. I mean, and Ottawa was the complete opposite. I mean, they were looking as bad as we've ever seen them look. So going in, um, our expectations were basically blowout losses. <laughs> um, so we got much, much better than that. Um, the goaltending, I mean, first and foremost, uh, Matt Murray seems to have found some confidence and found his game. I mean, the rebound control was great. Um, he made some saves that he shouldn't have made and made the ones that he should have made. Um, so first and foremost, um, that's why the Senators split the series with the Habs. Um, and that's why, you know, they were in it, uh, especially today. I think the first period they were outplayed pretty bad and I think I said after the first period in today's uh, afternoon game on uh, Saturday that uh, Matt Murray really, really kept them in it after that first period and gave them an opportunity. And sure enough, they came back and played really well in that uh, latter half of that game. I thought uh, the Saturday game, I thought they easily could have deserved uh, more than a, a loss there. But uh, overall, great series against a really good team. Uh, lots of positives to take away. Uh, Tim Stutzla was phenomenal um, in both games, really, uh, more so in the game on Thursday, but uh, Saturday's game as well. He drew a lot of penalties. Uh, he's getting a much more prominent role uh, from DJ Smith playing on the number one power play. Uh, just just a ton of, of positive takeaways. Eric Brandstrom making his season debut. Um, overall, I, I was really impressed. Uh, how did you feel about it, Shane? Yeah, and you know we'll talk talk about the the Thursday game first. Matt Murray looked sharp. I think everyone was expecting kind of a blowout what we saw against you know Edmonton and Vancouver, where he just wouldn't feel comfortable um, in the net and kind of letting in those weak goals. But he stood on his head. He made some r ridiculous saves, kept Ottawa in it. 
you know, I, I made a tweet out saying, you know, Murray has had a great game, and then they would go in and score the second goal for Montreal right after I hit send. And I was just like, oh, wow, my timing right there. But to be fair, he kind of got – it was a knuckle puck of a shot. Looked like it got deflected. And then, you know, this afternoon, which Ottawa doesn't have that great of a, a track record in afternoon games. At 1 o'clock games, they're not – they don't usually come out firing. They controlled the pace. Yeah, the first period was a little bit rough. I think we were outshot, like, what, 20 It was bad, uh, 19 to 8 after 19, the first period. Yeah, because I think it was, like, 25 to to 10 at one point, and then it became, it was, like, 26 to 21, uh, like, yeah. halfway through the second. Yeah, they had a couple of, actually, I think, three back-to-back-to-back power plays, and uh, that's when they started loading up the shots and really came back in the game. And I thought the third period, like moving from the back half of the second period to the third period, aside from the one defensive breakdown that allowed Josh Anderson to score, um, Ottawa controlled the play. They dictated the play. They had the puck more. I think they outshot them 12 to four at one stage in the third period. So they were really dictating the play against really one of the best teams in this division. So once again, I mean, huge positives to take away. And, And the good thing here is that it's the young players that are are really standing out for the Senators early on this season. It's, uh, you know, it would be another thing if it was the veterans that were doing their job and kind of insulating the young players, but it's been the complete opposite. It, it really is the young players that are actually insulating some of these veterans that are past their prime. Yeah, and it's looking at the, the numbers, Ottawa's three... Uh, time like three players that led the, the team in time on ice. You know, Brady Kachuk for forwards, uh, 20, 53. And then it was uh, Evgeny Dadanoff in, at 19, 11, and then Drake Batherson at 19, 10. Timmy Stutzla played a career high in 17, 37. Colin White was up to 16, 19. And, you know, uh, Norris, who kind of struggled a little bit, in my opinion. Uh, here and there throughout the game. He had some really good power play time, but at even strength, he kind of got dominated a little bit. He still ended up with 15-46. So our top six, and like, you know, Stepan was at 15-37. I like that number lowered a little bit. Uh, Connor Brown was at 15-02, which I think is fine. You know, Galchenyuk was at 10-17. I'd move Galchenyuk up a little bit and then move Stepan down or Chris Tierney up and mm-hmm. Stepan down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's our young guys who have stepped up and started commanding, you know, a bunch of playing time. Yeah, the one kind of remaining issue that I have is probably Derek Stepan, and it it isn't nearly as much of of an issue as Cedric Paquette was or uh, Braden Coburn was, for that matter. But uh, Stepan has not looked good this season, in my mind. Um, he had he's had moments. Um, but he's not really doing what he was brought here to do. Um, he's, you know, he's worked his way to a fourth line role. I don't know why he gets power play time. The puck just kind of explodes off his stick. Um, and I would much rather see Logan Brown get the time that uh, Stepan is getting. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you're going to have him playing uh, 15, 37, you may as well have Logan Brown in that that situation. And I mean, I think in time we'll start to see Logan Brown brought brought up you know but the big the big story was eric brandstrom coming in making his season debut on thursday which i'm kind i was kind of surprised about the fact that you know 
Yeah, that was like practice with the team and was like, okay, we're going to put you in. I was kind of surprised, but he did not look out of place. Not at all. He looks like he's been practicing this whole time and he seemed to know the systems. He gelled right in there. I thought he made more of an impact Thursday, but the fact that we didn't really notice him is also a good thing. I mean, I think last year there was a few glaring mistakes um, that Brandstrom made and just getting out muscled. Um, the penalty was completely crap that was called against him today that led to the first uh, Montreal goal. I mean, that is not a penalty. He was just boxing, uh, I think it was Gallagher, boxing him out of the crease. And Gallagher just kind of ran into his stick and they called um, they called uh, Brandstrom on, a, on an interference penalty. It was just a, a horrible call. It was really weak. Um, but they made the same call against Romanov, so they evened things up, and uh, both teams scored on that uh, man advantage. But uh, aside from that, you know, Eric Brandstrom coming in here and looking like he belongs now, that changes things for the Senators' D. I mean, we no longer have to rely on guys like Braden Coburn um, or Josh Brown that were really, really struggling. And it brings another element of puck movement. And then Willannon's going to be back probably, you know, next week at some point. So the Senators D is going to look entirely different than it did look at the start of the year. And that's a huge positive. Yeah. And I'm very interested to see what they do. Honestly, the last two games with Branstrom in the lineup, Shabbat looks a lot calmer. He looks a lot more composed because I don't think he feels like, Oh, everything has to be run through me. I have help on the left side where, Hey, if I can, I don't have to generate all the offense. Obviously he still will generate the majority of the offense. And, you know, our tenant Zub, because apparently we've been saying it wrong for since he was signed. It's, it's not Zub, it's Zub, <laughs> uh, apparently. But he's also looked really good. He was a minus player today, but, I mean, that that second goal was, you know, a fluke on everyone. There was no one really, no one person responsible for that second goal uh, outside of Murray. Like, Murray did the, saved the first one, saved the second one. Yeah, you can't fault Murray on that either. I mean, he made two 10-bell saves before the puck went in. I don't know what, what else you can ask for from your goaltender there. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought Zub's been um, Zub, right? Not Zub. I, yeah, so, yeah that's, Zub, according to TSN. I don't like that because it doesn't work well with Zub Nation. I mean, Zub Nation sounded good, but Zub Nation just doesn't sound good. Anyway, aside from that, yeah, he's been a, a breath of fresh air on the blue line. He moves the puck well. He's a smart player. He reads plays well. Um, he gets the puck out of his end. Like, he he doesn't really lack anything, and he moves okay. Like, his mobility, he's not fast, but he's not slow. Um, he's not Braden Coburn or Josh Brown. So, I, I mean, it's an improvement for sure. The The blue line is going to be vastly improved from what it was. Yeah, I mean, go sends go. We'll say that. <laughs> we'll, ha- we'll uh, you know, before we move on, because we do have our Edmonton series coming up, a two-game set starting uh, Monday, I believe, versus the Oilers. What is your good, bad, and the ugly of the Montreal series for the Senators team? You know, outside of the jerseys, I think everyone can agree the the jerseys are oh. the good, hundred and ten ten times over. That's the great. <laughs> if <laughs> if there is a great category, those uh, those bold red jerseys. Oh my goodness, we might have the best jerseys in the entire league right now with that three jersey set: the blacks, the whites, the reds. They all look incredibly impressive. 
Uh, they hit a home run with those. But uh, for good, I mean, I have to give it to Matt Murray. I'm, I mean, just from where he was, and, and I want to give it to DJ Smith at the same time. I almost want to split it. But I'll, I'll give it to Matt Murray because he's really bounced back here, and he looks like he's found his confidence. If he could play this good consistently for the rest of the year, then the Senators are, are going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Matt Murray has looked good. I think, you know, DJ Smith has made the proper adjustments. He just coached his 83rd game in the NHL. I think that's something that needs to be mentioned is that this guy has literally just started, you know, his second, literally his second season of games as an NHL coach. So I think we 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 were a little bit too hard on him. Honestly, I think the first, like, couple of games, like, during that he, road trip. He we, needed it. He needed it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe, who knows at this point, but hey, whatever he did, whatever he did, whatever him and Pierre agreed upon, it worked. For me, though, the good is the power play. The overall way the power play has moved with, you know, Colin White, if I'm going to look at a, a, a B kind of, or a 1B kind of option, Colin White has looked fantastic the, the last two games, got a goal tonight or this afternoon. Uh, but yeah, they power play. With Branstrom on the second unit, the only negative I can take away from the power play is Derek Stepan. But outside of that, unit one is looking good with Timmy Stutzla. And, you know, overall, like that, that's probably the, the best I got for, for good. Yeah, and going to bad, um, I don't like that there's two negative categories now because, you know, it was, a, it was a really positive couple of games. So it's almost a, a shot to give, uh, to give someone a bad. But... Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Derek Stepan. I've been talking about him this whole time. You know what, Pierre? You want to bring in veteran players. Don't bring in these veteran players that are just on the backside of their career. That they, they aren't insulating anybody. I mean, they're only preventing better players from coming up on the NHL roster. So, uh, for the bad, it switching the number and taking um, Logan Brown's number, whatever you know that situation is, and asking for a trade and all this you know crazy stuff happening surrounding Derek Stepan, he's getting the bad from me. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Uh, hey, you know what? I think in a normal year where his family could have moved with him to Ottawa and, you know, he didn't have to worry about leaving his wife with a, a newborn at home in Arizona and whatnot, I think, you know, that takes a mental toll on someone where they have to leave their family, especially when they have a young family, to not just a different city, but a a new country and you can't see them all the time. And, you know, you have travel restrictions and you know, you're not going to go down to Arizona to play a game. So you don't have that on the calendar. So I think there was a lot to it for, for Derek Stepan. Hopefully maybe he turns the corner. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see for me. The bad, honestly, is that the, the inconsistency of the fourth line, you know, the fact that Paquette's still in, got China like played what two, three games so far this season. I personally want to see Galchenyuk in the lineup consistently and more often. I hope we can yeah. see him in on on uh, Monday versus Edmonton. So for me, just the the fourth line is the bad part for me. Yeah, I have I have to agree with that as well. I mean, it's it's definitely not perfect yet, but Galchenyuk adds a hell of a lot more than Cedric Paquette was adding to that line. So it still is better than what we've seen. Um, you know, switching to the ugly, I don't know if I can find anything that was glaringly ugly. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of something, but to be honest, nothing about these last couple of games to me was 
ugly. It was it was a positive turnaround for the Senators. So, uh, what do you get? Do you have anything for the ugly, Shane? So this one's like borderline ugly. I'd probably put it in the bad category, but it's the and this is honestly you could probably just chuck it up to you know new players starting to work together. It just seems that there's been a little bit too many turnovers still in the defensive zone between the goaltender and the defenseman and, and stuff like that. We saw it in today on power plays and even strength, you know, leading for chances in front of the net. For me, that's the ugly because, you know, you have to clean that up. You don't want turnovers in your own end like that. So maybe maybe I'm just nitpicky on it, but for me, that's the ugly, but it's an easy, manageable fix that you can get corrected by their next game. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to it because I thought of something on the fly as you were talking, and it's it's still the penalty kill. I mean, it's still just as ugly as it was. Um, the positive is that they weren't on the penalty kill nearly as much as they had been, so they're playing a lot more discipline. But it will cost you against the Oilers, and that's something we'll get into, but um, they have to be way more disciplined, um, and they can't be on that penalty kill, and they have to fix it because it's the same thing. It's, it's the collapse towards the goalie, and there's layers of traffic. And I've seen it in the first period in, in uh, Saturday's game against uh, the Canadians. They were collapsing toward their net again hard. And it, it costs them basically every time. I mean, that penalty kill is not good. It needs to be way more aggressive, and they can't be collapsing toward their own net. Yeah, 100% agree on that. Uh, you know, Moving on, we have the Edmonton Oilers coming up for a two-game slate. We lost to them. Uh, what the uh, three two in a row? Last two yeah. two in a row. Yeah. Um, you know we're chasing them in the standings. They are a beatable team. We do have players that can compete. We just need to stay disciplined. Uh, you know Koskinen and, or and Skinner or whoever they have in the even Smith. That's going to be an interesting two games. Ottawa can match up well because they're at home against McDavid and Drysdale. If they can stay disciplined, I think Ottawa has a legitimate chance at winning these two games. Yeah. I mean, going into the first Edmonton series, I thought that would be the point that Ottawa bounces back. I think at the time Edmonton was right at the bottom with us of the, uh, of the standings. They've won a few games. I think they're 500 at six and six, but they're a beatable team. There's no question. Um, their goaltending isn't, near the top of the league or anywhere near the top of the league. You have to keep them off the power play, which we were just talking about. They have a lethal power play, but outside of that, Ottawa dictated play five on five. If they can get the same goaltending that they got this series from Matt Murray, they absolutely have a chance to beat the Oilers both games. Yeah, and it's going to be real interesting. Matt Murray is going to be a deciding factor. But the other deciding factor, it's a German versus German, Drysdale versus Stutzla. Is it time to admit, or is it way too early to admit, that maybe Timmy Stitzel was the best player in the draft, and if he did play in North America, either in, at the NCAA level or in the, the CHL, he would have gone first overall? Yeah, man, I've been on this for so long. It seems that uh, it's almost annoying to some people, but I, I remember so far back saying that Tim Stutzla could be the best player of this draft. I, I, I said it so many times in the summertime, like going back. Um, you know, I, I might have to find some of those old tweets just to kind of throw it in some people's face. But um, I mean, it was obvious that the Rangers were going to select Alexi Lafreniere, but 
it's no secret that Lafreniere has had a very, very slow start to his career, and he's getting a prominent role in the team. He's playing with Mika Zibanejad. He's playing number one power play minutes. He's playing 14 minutes and 50 seconds a game. I just did a write-up on this uh, a little while ago on Stutzla, but just kind of comparing him. And, and then you go to Quinton Byfield. He's not even in the league. I mean, he's in the American Hockey League. Um, obviously, he's younger, so that's a factor, but... Aside from that, Stitzla's he's a more in-your-face, explosive, offensive player. And I think it was clear to me from a long time ago that he could be the best player in the draft. Bob McKenzie said it before. Uh, Craig Button said it before. Some of the analytics folks did not like Tim Stitzla. And yeah, I just said folks. I, I don't know why I said that. I don't normally say it, but... Um, but but honestly, I, I think it's possible. I think it's very early. We should mention that, that, you know, these players could still make a push for sure. And we haven't seen, you know, what Lucas Raymond looks like in the NHL yet and some of these other players. But uh, Stutzla is every bit as skilled as Alexi Lafreniere, and uh, if not more. Yeah, I mean, looking at the way Kako was kind of played in under cool. Dan or Pete Quinn or whatever his name is, in mm. New York, and watching some of the the New York games, I honestly think that you, people people have been talking crap about DJ Smith. The guy they have in New York is just as bad, if not worse. Like well, I think if like Kako, I think if Kako and Lafreniere were in Ottawa under DJ Smith, they would be in a lot better situation than they are in New York. Even though you know they have Panarin, they have Zabanajad. I don't think they have the right coach to coach these young guys on how to be pros. Something's going on. You could make an argument that Kako was rushed into the league. Before he came into the league, everyone was saying, this kid is ready. He's a big body. He's a big physically mature body. I think even dating back to the first preseason of last year before he scored like an uh, unreal goal, he looked unbelievable. Um, and then the, the season starts and he's just a ghost out there and he's bad. I mean, now flash forward, you look at the analytics of Kako. And I was shocked by this, but um, if you follow Jay Fresh at all on Twitter, he just posted something about Kako the other day, and his numbers analytically are almost as bad as anybody in the entire hockey league. So uh, he was definitely not ready. Um, I don't know how they utilized him because I didn't pay particular attention to it, but if Lafreniere fails to develop as well, then you you have to look at under a microscope at what's going on in New York because that's a huge missed opportunity. Those are two huge draft picks. I mean, a number one overall pick in Lafreniere who's supposed to be the next big thing. And Capo Caco was so good that people were saying, you know, maybe they should have, uh, uh, the devil should have taken him over Hughes. And now you flash forward and it's like, no way. Like he's not even close. Yeah, I mean, I... And the fact that they didn't even let him go back, and I think this is what pisses me off with the Rangers. You're asking Lafreniere like, to, to come into camp without having to play a game since like March, mid-March or early March. And then you have Kako, who probably could have used more seasoning in overseas to start the year. You know, I think that's kind of like their GM messed up. Lafreniere should have been on Team Canada. Just like how Timmy Stutzla was on Team Germany. And Kako Kako, Kapo Kako should have been over in Finland 
playing instead of waiting, twiddling his thumbs. And it might be the same thing as um, Jesse Pugliarvi, who we're seeing now playing really well with the Oilers, but uh, maybe the Rangers will have to open their minds up a little bit and just uh, admit that uh, Capo Caco is not NHL ready and should probably go on a confidence finding mission for a year in Finland. Yeah. I mean, or <laughs> again, or you can uh, just trade them. Uh, you know, if you're a team, like realistically in a cap strap team, like the Rangers, and you're a team who has, you could, hey, I would not be surprised if the Rangers look at moving Kako with next summer. Hmm. And if we his should, entry level deal. We, we should almost read that last comment again because we are going to get into, um, yeah, so the real moon rock. Um, we need one more high octane offensive weapon. Later on in the show, Shane and I will be getting into what the Senators could look like next season. So stay tuned for that because uh, we might have a couple answers to uh, to your question. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you've been following along, uh, if you've been following along to Twitter, I've been huge on the cap hit. You know, you know, kind of bringing the information that some people may not know that you know Ottawa needs to play to the cap floor, and we're not in a situation where we can do that relatively easily with internally so you know well after the break in about probably like 10 minutes we'll we'll be jumping into 20 21 22 even though it's super early we're going to talk about it anyways but continuing on Edmonton Murray plays well the sub Branstrom Zaitsev it's kind of funny we got two Russians a Swede and a Canadian making out our top four yeah a little bit of everything Realistically, depending on how things go, it's not out of the question that all four of those players could be representing their national, like international teams, or technically Olympic athletes of Russia, at the Olympics in 2022. It's not out of the world to say that Shabbat and Bradstrom will represent Canada, Sweden, and Zub and Zaitsev will be representing athletes from Russia. Which to yeah. me, it's very interesting. You know, our top, and the same thing with our. Are some of our forwards. Stutzel's going to represent Germany, no doubt. There's a chance that maybe Kachuk and Norris can kind of play their way into a bottom six role or a middle six role for Team USA. Kind of crazy think to Kach- think about. Kachuk will be on Team USA for sure. Both the brothers will be there. I would hope, but you know, yeah. the USA isn't that smart. Uh, Dadunov <laughs> will most likely be for Russia. It's going to be interesting to see, like, He's had a slow start. He's he's got to start playing better. But here's the thing: he's he was all over the ice today. He had some really good chances oh, yeah. today, like over the last like four games. He's been all over the ice. He's had some really good chances. Once Dadunov gets clicking, our offensive weapons, like everything else, is just going to fall in place for him, and it's just going to going to be on a roll for him. But the problem is, it's a condensed season. So I mean, if we keep saying once he gets going, you know, once he gets clicking and finds his game, we're already you know, 11 games into the season, it's like he, he's got to start finding his game like next game and he's really got to start producing or that $5 million contract is not looking so good. And I noticed him today. I thought, uh, you know, in Saturday's game against the Canadians, I thought uh, Dadnov was really good. I, he made it one particular spin pass and found Brady Kachuk that I thought was phenomenal. It looked really, really good. 
Um, I noticed him slowing down after about the second period. Um, so I made note of that as well. But, uh, you know, he, he's just got to find a way to stay consistent and not look so lazy out there. Yeah, and I mean, hey, it's good. It's frustrating. If you have the chances and you don't capitalize, it can be frustrating for a player. But if he can get clicking, that top six with the way Colin White has played, the with Stutzla and, and Dadanoff, Branstrom, Norris, and, and Kachuk, that top six can be lethal and can go against Edmonton top six relatively easily, especially at home. That top yeah. six is going to be matched up with the bottom six of Edmonton. And they should be able to have some matchups that are favorable to them to create some good chances. Yeah, and that's that's the thing they have to do that they didn't do so much of. I mean, they created pretty good chances. I thought Jake Allen played a really, really good game. But uh, they, they have to do a better job of getting to the front of the net and getting bodies in front. And I know it's like such a typical hockey thing to say. <laughs> Because every player basically says that during every intermission. Oh, we got to get, you know, guys to the net and we got to create layers of traffic and get pucks to the net. But they really do have to do that with uh, more urgency. I thought they generated really good chances, but they're still kind of perimeter chances. They're, you know, racking up the shot numbers, but they're not exactly, um, you know, shots that are going to beat anybody. They're just shots from the outside. So, uh, I think they have to get creative a little bit and, and maybe um, replacing Nick Paul for Tim Stutzla on the second line with Colin White will do some good. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Colin White's looked really well, like really good. I don't think he's out of, he's going to be out of the lineup anytime soon. I think he's kind of no. started to solidify himself as our second line center, which is nice to see. But, you know, we need more Colin White goals. The goal that Colin White scored tonight or this afternoon versus Montreal is more of what we need to see from, from everyone else. And I think we will start to see it because they're realizing, like, Hey, we can generate offense from the perimeter, but we need someone crashing the net consistently to bang home those rebounds. And, and it's a little bit harder for, you know, Kachuk and Batherson to do it against guys like Sherratt and, and, and Weber and Petrie, but it should be a lot easier when you're going, you don't have Ethan bear uh, or, you're not expected to have Ethan Bear, and you probably only have to deal with Darnell Nurse, and you should be able to match up without having to face Darnell Nurse. So you should be able to crash the net a little bit more versus Edmonton at home. Yeah, no doubt. And and one of the matchups I'm looking forward to seeing, I think when the series ended off, there was a lot of jawing going on between Cassian and Brady Kachuk this time. And I know, uh, you know, that rivalry against uh, the, the Calgary Flames with Cassian and Matthew Kachuk probably carried over into the family. So uh, Brady Kachuk kind of carrying that over and they had some words for each other. And I think Cassie and mouthed your brother at some point. So, uh, so look out for that one. That'll be fun. Um, and I think, you know, the, the senators will definitely be protecting Tim Stutzla. Um, and he, he was taking some shots today, like relentlessly against the uh, Montreal Canadiens. So, if Edmonton tries any of that at all, you can look out for some of the thugs to get in there and start throwing fists. Oh, yeah, Austin. If, don't even be surprised if Kachuk does it. I know DJ may no, not want No, they don't it. want him to, but... Okay, but, like, okay, are you really going to try controlling a, a player like Brady Kachuk? Hasn't worked no. in Calgary. <laughs> You're not going to control it. You may want him to not throw a punch, but he's not going to back down from a fight. No. He's an emotional player, and he plays... 
Kachuk hockey and basically him and his brother play the same style. His dad played the same style. I mean, they're not going to back down at all, but uh, you, you got to take pick- it all together. It's a package deal. You can't get, you can't get one player and expect him not to like, you can't expect him to play a certain way without there being other things added to the game. Yeah. Agreed. And and I think people were upset that it didn't happen today against the Canadians, but it was a one goal game and the senators were looking to get back in the game on the, on the score sheet. So it's a situation where you just can't risk taking a bad penalty. So to me, that's why we didn't see like good Branson sticking up for Stitzla or going anyone going after Josh Anderson. But believe me, that's banked. Like they they've remembered that it's banked. They play the Habs eight more times this season. It's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, Sherrod's uh, Sherrod's cross check to the back of Stitzla's head. If good Branson gets suspended for his hit on Evans. Sherrod better be suspended for the cross check to, to Stutzla. It's a, okay, to be fair, player safety's been a joke and I don't expect anything from them. But you can't have one and then not you can't condone one and then not say anything about the other one. They're both hits to the head. You know, intentional, unintentional, it doesn't matter. If you're gonna say one's a, should be suspended, the other one has to be suspended. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, the Gid Branson hit was definitely high looking at it. I mean, we have the the ability to look at everything in slow motion and see the play slowing down. I don't know that there was intent there, but he definitely contact made contact with the head. I didn't like the hit, but uh yeah, exactly. It, it has to be the same rule that applies for everybody. And Stutzla took a friggin' beating today. Yeah, I mean, I here here's my thing. I know it is it's hit to the head. No one's arguing that. You know, but when I was learning how to take a hit in hockey, my coaches emphasized that if you see someone coming at you, you brace for the hit. No matter the situation, you brace for the hit because if you brace, if you don't brace for the hit and and try to change it or, you know, turn on it or whatever, you're going to end up getting hurt. I do not feel bad for Evans because you saw it's all like good Branson just popped out of nowhere in front of him. You can, in the replay, the long shot, you can see him noticing Good Branson coming at him, which is why he dumps the puck. In. And then he stops skating. If Evans took the hit, it would have been shoulder on shoulder and it wouldn't have been an issue. And there's a, I posted a clip on my personal Twitter of a hit from Chera hitting Riley Nash, I think in 2019 in the playoffs. Riley Nash, basically the same situation. Uh, he passes it off. But he sees Chera coming, he braces for the hit, moves his head out of the way, clean shoulder-to-shoulder hit. And if he doesn't do that, he does what Jake Evans does, it's most likely him splattered all over the ice. <laughs> <laughs> like, players need to take responsibility. Like, hit, players being hit need to take responsibility because if they don't, they're going to get hurt. Yeah, I, I agree that some of the onus is definitely on the puck carrier. And you could make that argument. But at the same time, Good Branson doesn't have to make contact with the head. I mean, he he rose up. It was it was there's a size difference. There's a notable size difference, and that sometimes naturally happens. But at the end of the day, you know, the fault is not gonna be on Evans here when they're talking about suspension. It's gonna be on Good Branson. So uh I don't know if he'll get suspended for it. I don't know if it was that bad of a hit, but um, it's just something that he's going to have to be aware of moving forward. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't think it's being suspended. I mean, I saw, you know, Limblom got freaking cross-shaped to the head the other day and no, nothing came from it. So, 
Again, Department of Player Safety is a joke. It's always going to be a joke until they actually put people who care about the sport in it and are willing to do what they have to do to put their hammer down consistently. But with that being said, we're going to head over to break. We'll be back in about a minute. Once we're back, we're going to talk 2021 projections. It's going to be a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with this project, something I've always wanted to do. Talk a little bit about the Seattle expansion draft. So stay with us. Thank you all for join, uh, tuning in today. Remember, follow us on YouTube and Twitter. But we'll be right back uh, in about a minute. Go grab a drink and whatnot, but don't leave. Uh, you know what? I'm just I, so I, heated because of what, what you're telling me because I, I do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac- macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for KD. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Go to... Go to Italy. If you ask, open some fucking no, 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 no. If you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is the fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country. With my co-host, Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Eries, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put Um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. And we are back. Thank you all for joining us and sticking with us through that break. But let's get into it. There's been a lot of talk about what Ottawa's going to do to get to the cap floor. We have Seattle expansion draft coming on. So uh, Derek and I have decided to take a little jab at being a GM. And what kind of moves we would try to make, cap-wise and everything, breaking down the cap to to the smallest dollar on making Ottawa a competitive team heading in to 21-22. You know, unparalleled success, spending to the cap, all that jazz. Uh, I had really, I had a lot of fun doing it. I hope I hope Derek had a lot of fun doing it. So I'm going to let Derek start off. Give us your roster, com- give us your roster, forwards, defense, goalies, for the 20, 20, or 21-22 season. All right, so here's the deal. I mean, Ottawa doesn't have to have this kind of huge offseason where they make a ton of transactions. It, it really doesn't have to happen next year. I think a lot of players are going to graduate. So um, so here's what I have. I mean, I'll just, I'll just give it to you up front. Um, what I would have is adding uh, a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's 27 years old. He's on an expiring contract. He'll be a UFA in the offseason. 
Um, and Edmonton, quite frankly, can't afford to repay him. So, um, or, or they, they would be hard pressed to repay him what Ottawa could repay him, I should specify. Um, so I try to make it somewhat realistic. I think this is a guy that, uh, unlike this season, a guy that you can add to your roster who's not going to suck. And uh, the, the young players won't have to, uh, you know, carry this dead weight around. He's a guy that will add to the roster. So I have the first line I have staying um, what we've seen earlier this season with Kachuk, Norris, and Batherson. Uh, I would keep that the same. Obviously, Brady Kachuk's going to need a contract. Um, my guess for that, as is Drake Batherson, and I, and I think they're both going to be bridge contracts. And Ottawa can afford to repay them. And in fact, they... Uh, to overpay them. And in fact, they have to overpay them uh, just to get some cap compliance. So um, I expect some front loaded contracts when it comes to Kachuk and Batherson. Uh, so that's the first line, Kachuk, Norris, Batherson, uh, same as this year. Uh, on the second line, I'm keeping Stutzla on the left wing. I know a lot of people want to see him move toward the center position. Uh, but if you're able to add a player like Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the offseason, uh, I think that matches really well with Tim Stutzla. And uh, hopefully Evgeny Dadanov can bounce back because we've signed him for three years. So he's on for $5 million. Um, I'm giving Ryan Nugent Hopkins an increase in salary. And I know he was making a lot already, but I'm giving him $6.4 million. I'm giving him a $4 million, uh, a four-year contract, but it's front-loaded. Um, so I would have an average annual value of $4 million, or of, uh, sorry, of $6 million for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, the same as what he's making now. On the third line, uh, Nick Paul, Shane Pinto, and Colin uh, Connor Brown. So uh, Shane Pinto graduating from the University of North Dakota. He looks like an NHL-ready player. Um, I would have him as a third-line center, uh, which means Colin White gets knocked down to the fourth-line center position. Alex Formanton is going to graduate, and Austin Watson is still there on the right side. Uh, so... Not a whole lot of change, really, um, except for the fact that a lot of these players are young and a lot of them are going to be a year uh, more developed than they are this season. And adding a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I think, will help insulate that group and add a lot more potency to the offense. Um, and then on the defensive side of things, I'm going uh, Thomas Shabbat with Adam Larson. So I'm poaching two Edmonton Oilers. Um, and Adam Larson is another player that the Senators can afford to overpay in the first couple of seasons. I'm giving him a four-year contract. He's a player that is 28 years old. So that will bring him to 32 years old at the end of that contract. So you're still getting the end of his prime and then a couple of years after that. Um, and I think he's a, a perfect complementary player to Thomas Shabbat. Um, and I would pay Larson $5 million a season. Uh, Jake Sanderson hopefully graduates and JBD graduates. Um, so that's actually my second pairing. And then Eric Brandstrom with Nikita Zaitsev and Christian Wolanin being the extra. Uh, and in goal, you're going to expose um, Hogberg to Seattle. And you're going to have uh, a combination of Matt Murray and Joey Decord who will graduate. And uh, Chris Tierney, you're probably noticing that I kept out. I would expose him as well. So that is my entire roster for next season. Just a lot of uh, internal improvements. Yeah, I, I mean, I I love it. I think that's a great roster. It's funny because I have Tyranny exposed and, and selected by Seattle as well. 
And it's not because I don't dislike Tierney. I just think that down the middle, he's a guy that we can leave exposed. And if he gets picked, I mean, he gets picked and so be it. Uh, for me, okay, so before we, how much are you paying? How much are we paying Kachuk and Batherson AAV? Yeah, it has to be. So it has to be front loaded. AAV for Kachuk's going to be around eight and a half, um, eight and a half million, which is large, but it's a bridge deal. Um, if he signed longer term, I think the dollar value might go down a little bit, but um, but yeah, he's he's got to be making a lot. I would give him nine million dollars next season just because you have to get to the cap. Uh, and I know that sounds crazy. Uh, and Drake Batherson to me, he's a he's a five million dollar player. So I'm giving him five million AAV. And again, we have to get to the cap floor, so these guys are going to be overpaid a little bit. But Batherson uh, bridge deal at three years. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I I agree with that roster. Not as much promotion uh, on my roster. For me, I got you know the the first line stays the same: Kachuk, Norris, Batherson. I have Kachuk signing a seven and a half million dollar deal on a on a three year deal. I am going with that short term because I think we signed to a three year deal. We can sign him to an eight year deal after the three years to probably like a nine million dollar deal. But I think seven and a half, you kind of stay below Shabbat and. And you know what? We we have to get to the cap. I feel like seven and a half can get us there. Uh, Norris is obviously still on his entry level deal, so we don't have to worry about it. I have Batherson at three million dollars. Uh, in comparables to you know Connor Brown and, and Dadunov, is he worth the same as Dadunov after one season? Probably not. You can justify you can justify paying him five mil. Really, like oh, you have to overpay. We need to get to the cap. It's just. It's not a necessarily of a, we're overpaying him because we have to keep him. It's just we're overpaying him because we need to spend the money. But mm-hmm. I have him at three. I feel like that's a, a solid deal for him on a, on a short-term deal. I have my second line, Stutzler, White, and Dadanoff. That's going to stay the same. I think White has finally just started to show he can be a number two center. Uh, the third line, it's Formanton on his entry-level deal his last year. Logan Brown and Connor Brown. I think that's going to be our third line, fast but gritty. And, and horrible for play-by-play guys to call, right? <laughs> yes, just to screw with our play-by-play guys. There you go. Our, this is where the changes start to happen. Uh, fourth line, I have Paul, Nick Benino, and Austin Watson. Nick Benino, he's won cups with, uh, with Pittsburgh. He's been a very solid bottom six guy. He's older, yes. I, will get, I think he's like 35 now or 34. But he's probably one of those guys that you you can overpay justifiably. You're getting a, a leader in the locker room, a guy who's won a cup, and you don't. And he's a good penalty killer, and he can he can provide some offense as a fourth line guy. You're not really blocking anyone. You know you have Logan Brown in there, you have White, you have North, so you're not really blocking anybody from coming up in the lineup. And the extras, I have Luke Lendenning and Derek Ryan. Uh, I've Nick Benino at three year, uh, three million for two years. I have Luke Landenning. He's a center left wing, solid bottom six penalty killing guy for Detroit this year. I think he would be perfect for the situation in Ottawa. Could help Norris and White and Brown with the faceoffs. Uh, I have him for a one year, two million dollar deal, and I have Derek Ryan at two and a half. Again, another guy great on the faceoffs, great bottom six guy who I think would fit in well with, you know, what's going on in Ottawa, be a leader in the locker room for them. And I mean, 
two years, five, like two, two point five. You're not blocking anybody. Uh, you know, you can make an argument that even if Pinto goes pro next season, that they're probably not going to put him into the NHL right away. You so just that, want someone on the roster with your last name, right? So you can buy a no, newsletter okay. with your last name on it. That's what to it be is. Fair, I've always been a fan of Derek Ryan. I've always liked him. I thought he was a solid bottom six guy, and I would have loved to have him in Ottawa. <laughs> no, the I'm fact that his it. last name is Ryan is just – it's a cherry on top. But not going <laughs> to lie. Like, I do like Derek Ryan and what he brings to the roster. On defense, Shabbat with Dougie Hamilton. Given a Dougie – a seven-year, $56 million contract, $8 million AAV to solidify that top pairing. I love what Dougie brings to the ice. I just think he's fantastic. He'd be a fit for this team, in my opinion. Give him eight mil. I was being modest. You can even give him eight and a half, nine mil. I do not care. Bring Get him in Ottawa. If he we, hits, need, we need a hype button for that one. Yeah. If if you if he hits free agency, Ottawa better be kicking at it, like kicking his door down. And being like, here's our contract. Let's go. We're bringing it back to Ottawa. Uh, the second pairing, I branched him, and I got J- uh, Jacob Bernard Docker graduating from North Dakota as my second pair. Third pair, Willanen and Zaitsev, and Josh Brown as our seventh defenseman. He's under contract. So unless he's taken or traded, I think Josh Brown will be part of the team next year. And obviously, goaltenders are, are Murray and Decord. I traded Hogberg to uh, the to the Flames for Derek Ryan's UFA rights and a 2022nd third round pick. Calgary is most likely going to lose Riddick. They need to expose somebody. It kind of works out for both teams. If they don't, if he does, if they don't lose him, which I would be very surprised, they would. Well, they have their backup goaltender for next year, no problem. And I also traded Philip Schlappick's rights to Minnesota, a team that needs a bottom six, like a bottom six player for a 2023 fourth round pick. Yeah, I, I like it. Overall, I like it. I mean, the the move I like obviously the most is uh, Dougie Hamilton. I mean, I think that I said Adam Larson would be a good partner for Shabbat. Hamilton would be the best partner for Shabbat. If he, if he actually does hit free agency and Carolina doesn't um, try to, you know, re-up him, which I think they will try to do. If he gets to UFA, you have to throw the book at him. You have to try and get that guy. That would be my number one choice. I know I like Ryan Nugent Hopkins additions that I made, but uh, over Adam Larson, I would take Dougie Hamilton all day. I think, you know, what a world of difference that would make on the blue line for Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, I mean, even even having him paired with, you know, Branstrom and you put JBD with Shabbat, you have experience with experience, right? You don't necessarily want like a young, like a a young pairing, you know, group. Mm-hmm. But that's my, you know, forte of who I think our top six would look like. And we would be sitting at 70, just under $73.5 million, including uh, about $4 million. So we're about $68 million, $69 million in roster cap, space, cap hit which is more than enough than we need. Yeah, that's over the floor. So you're in you're in business there. You're doing good. But uh, yeah, the, the one criticism I have is uh, Nick Benino. I think that's such a Pierre Dorian move that I almost don't want to speak that into existence because I feel <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're getting rid of Derek Stepan and we're bringing in Nick Benino. Uh, to me, that's such a Pierre Dorian move. I hope he doesn't hear this. <laughs> 
I mean, if he does, he better give me credit for it. Oh, God. <laughs> you don't want credit for that. That's not going to work out well for you. I, I mean, I think Nick, like Nick Benino in a bottom six role in and out of the lineup is more than okay considering that we have to spend money anyways, right? And at least Nick Benino has shown – like you're not trading a second-round pick for him. You're not bringing him in to be like a, a you know, 20, 30, 40-point guy. He's not blocking anyone. Right, so like, as long as you fit him in the role, you're not giving him power play time. He's on your penalty kill. It's a justifiable move. Yeah, yeah, it's not. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm just bugging you a little bit, but, um, but yeah, Benino is such a Dorian move that I don't want that to happen. <laughs> hey, well, it might just happen. Yeah, probably will. <laughs> but yeah, I think overall, uh, it's funny because I I exposed Murray. Like in any, uh, we I got messaged by the State of Hoppy, who's one of the hosts for the uh, the Minnesota Wild podcast on the network, and he's like, "Hey, we're doing like a, a expansion talk. Like, can you guys give me like can you give me like the players that you think would be protected?" I had Murray exposed purely yeah. for the fact that the contract. I mean, the contract. And you look at the goalies who are going to be available in the expansion draft. You have Brian Elliott, Jake Allen. You could probably finesse Vegas into trading Flurry with a couple of picks attached to it. Uh, you know, you have <laughs> Another Frederick. expansion team for Flurry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That'd be hey, hilarious. Uh, where do things have happened? You could get. Um, <laughs> uh, like Columbus has two good goalies in Merzlikens and uh, Corpusalo. Yeah. Uh, you know. You have um, Holpe or Demko out of Vancouver who's going to be exposed. You have Frederick Anderson or Dave Riddick who's mo- who are most likely going to be exposed because they're UFA. So you could probably uh, figure out a way to get a pick out of that, or you know what what you might have. You have Morazic who's a free agent. So you have there are wiggle rooms for goaltenders in the draft or for Vegas that are cheaper and on better contracts than Murray. So. I would ex- I would expose Murray, protect the cord, trade Hogberg, and just hope the, for your best that you don't. And if you lose, and if for whatever reason Murray does get picked, there's a oh, bunch well, of other look how many free agents sign. there are. Yeah, I know. Look how many goalie free agents there are. Tuka Rask's a, a free agent. I mean, there's so many top goalies. I, I don't think you'd have to worry about it. It would be a blessing actually if Murray was uh, was picked up by Seattle. Not know, not to say that I don't agree. Like. Murray, if he continues to play this way, that's great. But the contract is huge. Yeah, but hey, I mean, we need to spend money, right? You're talking about overpaying Batherson after one year of five million yeah. for a three-year deal. You're going to pay Murray the same, like the same amount of time. You're paying him an extra like million, a one point two five mil extra for Murray, right? Yeah, you need the money anyways. And and I do like Murray's. Um, you know, he's still a young goaltender. He's still got growing to do. Um, so I like the age difference there with Murray versus some of the guys that will be free agents. They're going to be older and um, a little bit. You, you can't get as much uh, as much from them in terms of uh, productive years. So Murray's still got his best years in front of him. Hopefully, uh, imagine if uh, if Murray does get picked and then we sign Frederick Anderson first game of the seasons against Toronto in Toronto. Frederick versus Jake Campbell and Frederick gets the friggin' shutout. That would be hilarious. It would be 
hilarious. But before we end off, uh, I totally forgot about it. What's your opinion on the possibility of having two drafts in four days in the summer of 2022? Yeah, I don't know why we didn't add that to the list before. That's like such a big piece of news. I totally Um, forgot about it. Yeah, uh, actually, uh, I'm a fan of it. I think it gives, I mean, I don't know how you could scout right now. That's the thing. I mean, not a lot, not a lot of players are even playing. Um, so there's no real ability. You have to go off what you've seen last year, and it doesn't give you a lot when it comes to scouting. And, you know, when it comes to the draft, you want to be sure, especially for Ottawa, who's going to be in the top five. But once again, you you want to be sure of the player that you're going to select. So uh, for me, as long as they don't screw around with the lottery format and we're still guaranteed to get a top five when they eventually do the draft, um, at least for this year's pick, um, then I'm a fan of it. I think it, it gives them extra time. And that player that they select will basically be NHL ready immediately. It'll be a player you know, that could com- come right into the lineup uh, after they're drafted. So I'm a fan of it. What do you think? I think it's great. You got a 19 year old outside of an 18 year old. You really get to see what these guys can do. It could hurt for some players or it could be a huge benefit to others, you know, and and, and it also gives Ottawa kind of a chance to see who they have and what they need. You know, let's say for whatever reason, kind of, you know, for whatever reason, white and, and Norris proved to be one, you know, one, two, you have Pinto coming up. You may look at getting a winger mm-hmm. or you feel like, okay, our wings are kind of set, you know, Formanton, Stutzla, Kachuk, Batherson, Sokoff, Abramov, whatever. You kind of look at, you know, our defense and you look at, okay, our Thompson and uh, Bernard Docker are going to be right good on our right wing, right? Are you going to have, uh, you know, where, where does Sanderson or, or Branstrom fit? So there, it, it'll open up for some questions for us. There's definitely some good players. I mean, it's not last year's draft, but there's definitely players to keep an eye on if you're uh, if you're a Sens fan and you're looking at the top five. You know, Brant Clark is a guy that might be a fit. He's a right shot defenseman. He's more of an offensive defenseman, um, but he's an Ottawa product. He's from Ottawa. He's a Sens fan. Grew up a season ticket holder. Um, lots of cool kind of stories when it comes to Brant Clark. He's one of my favorites. And Matthew Beniers that we've seen in the World Juniors is a guy that could play the wing or center. Um, kind of similar to Tim Stutzla, really very similar skill set. He's fast. He likes to control the puck. Um, he likes to control the dictate the pace of the play. And, um, you know, those are uh, two players that I've kept my eye on just early. But we have so much time if they move the draft back to scout them. And, uh, you know, you're going to get a much better picture of who those top five players are versus if they went in kind of, you know, blindly basically and, and took players this year. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's something we'll, we'll keep an eye out. It's a developing story, but you know, that, that wraps up this episode. We're going to have a lot more to talk about next week when we have the Edmonton series. Uh, and then I think we play what Calgary again, or is it Montreal? I haven't actually looked that far ahead. I didn't look that far ahead either. <laughs> Live for today, right? Yeah, I know it's. I know our next two games are against Edmonton, um, and I think we have a Winnipeg. Calgary coming up. Is it Winnipeg yep. again? Yeah. Yeah, the fact that we've played Edmonton, Winnipeg twice, like had two series against them, yeah. and we haven't even played Calgary yet. Weird. I don't yep. like it. But 
that's all for this episode, folks. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you all for tuning in. Remember, like us, uh, subscribe, share the videos, all that fun stuff on YouTube uh, and Twitter, Instagram. You know the drill. Follow us, sentence underscore hour. We got some big news dropping soon, so you will want to keep updated on our social medias because we will be dropping them there first before the episodes. But that being said, follow me, Shannon underscore Ryan97, Derek Adili075 for your sends news all the time. We'll catch you back here next week with a brand new episode of the Sends Hour podcast. Stay safe. Enjoy the Sends season. Go Sends go. Let's get going.